Good morning. My name is Tony. I am the lead pastor here at Gateway. Uh, for those of you watching online, welcome. We're glad that you've joined us today. Um, I, I got to tell you, anything, everything that you need to know and hear today, you've probably already heard it. Wasn't that great, the worship and the songs and just pointing us to the reason we're here, Jesus Christ. He is the reason. Um, but he's got some more for you today, so I don't want you to think I'm not going to preach. You know, you used to, when I was a kid, I loved those song services where God broke in and the pastor didn't preach. My father was the pastor. But I love those. It's like, wow, I don't have to sit here and get preached at because I know I'm going to be used in an illustration somehow or some way, right? Um, but that was awesome. But today we're going to talk a little bit more about Proverbs. That's a tough one today. I, I struggled and wrestled with it today, this week, and um, hopefully we connect to this. I think we will, because I think it affects all of us. I really do. I mean, that's the Word of God, right? There's just something in there for all of us. It's for all of us. Uh, but let me start today just simply by saying no one likes to hear the alarm clock go off on Monday mornings. Right? Am I right? No Okay, let me, let me rephrase that. Maybe some of you are thinking, Mondays, I don't like to hear the alarm clock any day, right? Uh, it's just time to get up and go to work. About 15 years ago, uh, I had a job that I hated. I did. I hated. I had gotten out of ministry, um, went to school to be a pastor, but for a lot of circumstances, I won't get into all the circumstances, but I stepped out of ministry for a while. And I, I, what's funny is I actually had the job I went for. You ever been there before? You go after a job, you really want it, you get it, and about a year later, you hate it, right? Uh, I, I was uh, working in Illinois, and I had really busted my tail. I got out of ministry. There were some things that I really loved to do. I loved, at that time, it's going to age me, websites were just starting to come around. I mean, you know, everyone knows what that is today, but kids, believe me, there was a day in my, my life we didn't know what a website was, let alone the internet. And so the internet was coming out, websites, I enjoyed that. So I really worked hard. I went to a, a community school in town while I had some other job that I really didn't like. And I pursued something that I really thought I wanted to do, and I really loved this. And uh, I worked hard, I read, I stayed up late at night reading and practicing and learning on my own, learning in a, in a community school college and just really took, took in everything and worked really hard in this goal to get this job. I even took a job at the company I wanted to work for that I didn't want, but I took the job because I knew it was a stepping stone to the next job. And for two years, I worked in a call center for technical help in a, in a, uh, in a, a, a big, a large corporation. And I just really didn't like that either. But my goal was to get to this other job until they opened up some openings, and I went, and I applied, and I got the job. But it wasn't too long into that that uh, things changed in the department. A couple of guys quit. Uh, quickly, I became kind of like dump everything on this guy, and we got a, a supervisor um, that you've never, you've never had this problem, never done what I did, and had no clue what he was doing. You've never been there, Right? And uh, some of you are like, I'm that supervisor, right? They, they threw me in this job, and I have no idea what I'm doing. But it's like, hey, here I am. And, and this, but this guy, 
I was a web developer on cutting-edge web software for a corporation, a, 100, a, a Fortune 100 company that had 30,000 employees and made $50 billion. I was on the cutting edge of their front website, and here comes a cobalt, nobody knows what that is, um, mainframe programmer who hadn't really coded in years, and they put him in charge of the web team. Didn't go well for me. My personality type is, I will work for anyone if I think they're competent, right? It's not that he was a bad guy, it's nothing, and I don't even want to get into it, but long story short, I grew to hate my job. You can ask my wife. It changed me. My attitude changed. My attitude toward work changed. I had longer periods of depression. I remember having physical exhaustion and sickness and headaches and from the stress of the job. It's not that the job was stressful. I hated my job. Mood swings. There were days where I just felt sluggish and lazy, more so than normal. Some of you got that. Rusty laughed at that. He got it. There's one quick person in here. I'm sorry. No, you're all quick, but... uh, more so than normal, I was like, I hated my job, and it changed me, and I got lazy. I, I remember I would call in sick, and I wasn't sick. Don't, don't judge me. All of you have exactly in your mind how many sick days you have left in 2019. I know you do, because... Many of you have these jobs too and you hate these jobs and and you want to change and you want to move on and and you want to do something different with your life but you're stuck in the job because you need a paycheck, right? I'm not alone here. I know I'm not. I know we all have days where it's hard to work. And it doesn't surprise me that work is unpleasant. It doesn't surprise me at all. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 1... I'm sorry, chapter 3, God tells us that work will be thistles and thorns in your life. He says this, and the man to, and to the man God said, since you listened to your wife. See, it's always the wife's fault. I know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm taking this out of context. If we put it in context, it's the man's fault. But anyway, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed. What he's saying is, you're going to have to work hard because of you. And he's, look, he says, all your life will be a struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grain. You're going to get back from the ground or from your work But it's going to be hard. It's going to be like thistles and thorns. And you're going to have to scratch out and eke out a living. He says, by the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust and to dust you will return. The fall corrupted God's image of you and me. His image that He created us to be corrupted us. And in our natural state, there's a natural resistance to work. But our work, and here's the tension. 
here's the part that we need to hear today. And many of us are thinking, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Work can be hard. It can be difficult. Very few people find something that they truly, truly find purpose and meaning. And the truth is, until you give your heart and life to Christ, you still don't quite find the purpose and meaning in even that. And the tension is this. We were created to reflect God's image. Listen, God is not lazy. God is not lazy. He is not a sluggard. He does not hate His work. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that He worked, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created. The Bible begins with God working. He designed, He dreamed, and He created all that we have and see. God is not lazy. He works. And it goes even further in the New Testament. Jesus says this in John chapter 5. But Jesus replied, My Father is always working. And so am I. (laughs) God is not a lazy God. And here's the tension. There's a part in us that resists work. In our fallen condition, in our sinful heart, it resists it and we want to become lazy. We want to do nothing. We hope that something will come for nothing. And that is the fallenness in us. That is the sin in us. Biblically, theologically, work is worship. I know we come here to worship. But tomorrow morning, many of you will get up to an alarm clock and go to something that you just dread. And the fact is, that work needs to become worship to you. Because when you worship, when you work as worship, you are reflecting who God created you to be. He created us to work. But sin has created a problem. A good worker reflects the image of God. A lazy sluggard reflects the heart that has been broken by sin. A heart that is lazy because all that heart thinks about is themselves. And so today, I want to talk to you about the sluggard. And I I, I laughed with my, my worship team this morning as we met and prayed. I said, okay, so at the end, I'm going to have all the sluggards go to one side and all the non-sluggards go to the other. And that's how we're going to... And I said, no, 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 that's not what... Some, their eyes got real big, you know, like, you're going to what? Am I in that list? And I'm like, I'm not judging anybody today. I hope that this really helps you in your life. Fourteen times in the Old Testament, the word for sluggard is used. And all fourteen times it's used in Proverbs. There is something about wisdom... There's something about searching and finding wisdom that helps us overcome being a sluggard. In, the, uh, in one of my theological dictionaries, I looked up the word sluggard and this word from the Hebrew, and it says this, the sluggard is a person who is habitually lazy. I want to put habitually on there because I'm just going to be honest with you. There are days I feel lazy. I just tell my wife, you know, I need a lazy day. I just need to do nothing today. And that's okay. Lazy's okay because you're taking a day to recharge and refresh and do nothing that has to do with work. It's called Sabbath. That's why God gave us seven days. He worked six and said, okay, on the seventh day, rest from your work. 
Does that mean I can't do anything? No, it means you can't do anything that you work to make a living. Whatever that is. I've taken my Sabbaths and I've worked on projects around my house. I've done things in my yard that I enjoy. I've gone here and I've done there. Sabbath isn't about doing nothing. Sabbath is taking a break from what you do to make a living because you trust God will provide. You resist the pressure on us to just go, 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 go. So Sabbath is a resistance to what the normal world would want to tell you. So sluggard is this habitual, lazy, and inactive, suggesting, suggesting he has no discipline or initiative as a moral failure in his life. And you're saying to me, Pastor, I'm no sluggard. Right, I know that. I'm not calling anyone a sluggard. I have no one in mind when I preached about this. Not one person. But I hope that you see the importance of this message That when my work becomes something other than worship, I run the risk of becoming lazy. And when I become lazy, it's not too long after that that I become a sluggard. That it becomes a habit for me. And that I resist all work. All work. So our passage today in Proverbs chapter 6, that's where I'm going to be. If you have your Bibles, you can flip, you can turn here. Um, I'm, I'm going to be talking about Proverbs chapter 6. It's an instruction. And there's a lot of instruction in there. Instruction is how we learn. It's how we change our lives, change our ways and the way that we live. But the text today suggests that there are two ways in which we can learn or the sluggard can learn or we can learn from the sluggard and vice versa. There's two ways. The first one is this. We learn by principle. And we're going to look here in the first verses here in a moment. He talks about the ant. He uses the ant as a principle for how we should live our lives. And then we also learn by experience. He takes a close look at the sluggard's life and hopes that we will look at that and realize, oh, that experience isn't good and it will turn us in the direction that we should go. So let's start in verse 6 of chapter 6. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. I like that word. We don't say sluggard anymore, do we? I don't hear sluggard. I hear lazy bones, though. Hey, lazy bones. You see, in the Hebrew word, and this is a different version, but in the Hebrew, the bones were like, you know, I'm cold to my bones, you know, or I'm hurting and pain to my bones. It's like the whole person... He's saying the whole person, this isn't just a day of laziness. This is a lazy person. Hey, lazy bones, learn from the ant. Learn their ways and become wise. Little, little comedy relief here, little sarcasm. Hey, go look at the, most, the smallest, most minuscule, most insignificant bug, and he'll teach you how to live your life. Think about that. A little extra, I'm sorry. He says in verse 7, Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. So the wise teacher wants us to look in principle to the ant. This insignificant little bug And watch him. Learn from him. Become wise by the principle in which he lives his life. 
How does he live his life? Ants do not need to be prodded to work. They don't need prodding. They have no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet they work better than any person who has a supervisor looking over them with their thumb on them. It's a principle there. They don't need to be prodded. A sluggard might work if, it's, if he or she is forced or threatened, but as soon as the boss, as soon as the boss is not working, watching, he or she comes in late, leaves early, does the minimal, takes a little extra time on their cell phone on break, does the minimum work. The only initiative a sluggard has will only come out when they are investing time to get out of work, not actually do their work. They don't need to be prodded. Now, we all know this guy, right? We all have worked with this guy. Lazy, does the minimum. You ask him to do a little extra. No, they're not part of the team. They're, they're a conflict in the team. They, they don't produce. They don't fulfill what they're supposed to be doing. And when they ask him to do a little extra, they won't. You know, maybe they say it's not in my contract or whatever. We all know this guy, right? But the minute the boss shows up, you would think that they're the hardest worker in the world. They're helpful. They're going the extra mile. They're doing this. They're doing that. As soon as someone is watching them, then they work hard. That is a sluggard, a lazy person, a habitually lazy person. Wisdom knows the importance of work and works hard when no one is looking. But why? Why would the ant work so hard when no one's pushing, no one's prodding, no one's ruling, no one's supervising? What is this principle? Why would the, the ant work without prodding? Because ants are diligent with the time they have. They understand that the future requires work now. They understand that. They understand that if I don't work now, I won't eat then. When things get lean, wisdom at work is not about just being busy. It's not just busy work that is wisdom. No, wisdom is having a proper view of your needs and the future and knowing that you are motivated not because someone is watching you. You are motivated because you have a desire to provide and to give to yourself and to your family and to others when things are lean. Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, And whatever you do, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him, the God through Him, to God the Father. So what is Paul saying there? Just like the ant, he's saying it's, this is all throughout the Bible, this principle and how the ant works. It's like you need to work as though no one is watching, but you're doing it unto the Lord. Ants appear to have this awareness of time. It motivates them to be diligent with what time they have, to be good stewards of their time. They don't waste their time on daydreams. They don't waste their time on, pro- on ideas of prosperity where there's a get-rich-quick scheme. They don't have any. Listen, 
the get-rich-quick scheme, the I'm going to win the lottery or I'm going to do this, or, you know, those things might be okay, I guess, I don't know. But if you're basing your life on a quick, like prosperity is just going to fall from the sky and hit you one day and you can be a lazy guy. It's just not going to happen. The ant knows that. The ant knows that we work with all of our physical and our mental and our emotional ability because we expect to provide for ourselves and our family. The sluggard lives a different principle. He or she thinks provision will just appear. Someone will bail me out. Someone will take care of my needs. Of course, in this sarcastic way, even the ant isn't that foolish. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Ouch. I know, that seems harsh, doesn't it? I read one theologian who said, one, he said this, he suggests that we should not provide material aid to the sluggard. Those who are able but unwilling to work, we should not help them. That goes against maybe what we think in the church, that we should just help everybody. But I think the proverb, wise man, even wants the church to be wise with its resources. You say, well, why would you not help someone in need? Because if they're able to work and they don't work and they need help, because they don't work, we, when we help them, subvert God's purpose of the pain of hunger. You say, what do you mean by that? We ultimately hurt the person because God's trying to teach them a lesson. An empty stomach, as the proverb says in Proverbs sixteen twenty six. it is good for workers to have an appetite. An empty stomach drives them on. If they won't work because they have a heart for it, then they need to work because they know they'll go hungry if they don't. Wow, Pastor. That's pretty harsh. I was listening to the news the other day in our crazy country. Now they're proposing in some of our states to actually pay criminals money, monthly stipend, to not commit crime. Nothing more anti-God purposes. and I mean, seriously, I know you have trouble with the law from time to time. You know, Justin, I know you're in the law, trouble with the law all the time. How about if I give you $500 a month and you stay out of trouble? They're doing it. You think I'm crazy, don't you? Listen, that is not, that's thievery. To take money from someone who works and give it to someone who can work but won't is thievery. The principles that we learned from the ant are this. Time is precious. Work while you can. Poverty, want, and destruction are on the heels of people who will not work. So the ant is characterized as a leaderless but diligent worker. Now he characterizes the sluggard in a very different way. Verse 9, But you, lazy bones, how long are you going to sleep? 
I was studying yesterday morning and I come upstairs, it's about 9.30 and my youngest daughter, 14, is not out of bed yet. And I go and knock on her door, no answer. I open the door, I said, hey sluggard, when are you going to get out of bed? I asked her permission to say that, but she, what? No, it was 9.30. What did I just say? A sluggard doesn't know what time it is? Isn't that what I just said? I'm pretty sure I just said that. But, uh, but you, lazy bones, how long are you going to sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. The distinctives of the sluggard are this. The sluggard is a bad steward with his time. He does not use sleep wisely. We all need to sleep. I like seven to eight hours if I can get it. Sleeping's not the problem. The ant sleeps. The problem is, is that the sluggard is always sleeping. And perhaps he's not sleeping in his bed with his eyes closed, but in his life, he's sleeping through life. Maybe his eyes aren't closed and he's awake, but he might as well be asleep because he's not aware of what's around the corner. He doesn't use his time. Perhaps the sluggard does not get out of bed in the morning because he's too indulgent with his appetites the night before. Party, recreation, fun. It's all important, all in its place. But when it becomes a habit of life and it gets in the way of your work, It's more about pleasure and selfishness that rules his heart than the need to work. Perhaps he doesn't get out of bed as an excuse to not go to work. He lays there and I hate my job, but I love my bed. Opposite of the ant, the sluggard is not diligent with his time, the time he has, and no view of the future, no urgency to provide for himself or his family. And when time comes, when he could be working and providing, he ends up asking for a handout. And the Bible says we should not give the handout to those who are capable of working. The sluggard will have everything taken away. And this is the result of his slumber. The ant is aware of what's coming. He prepares for it. The sluggard is not responsible but instead is selfish. All that they can think about is themselves and their own pleasure and their own comfort. Poverty will be the result for the sluggard. Like a bandit or an armed robber, it will come quickly. And the sluggard should not be surprised when they come upon ruin. Now, I need to say something here because it's important that we understand poverty There's a lot of definitions, and you can study poverty. We've been trying to defeat poverty in the world forever. And there's two main causes of poverty, and this is the thing. This is all from research. One cause of poverty is a personal failing. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who have been thrust into poverty because when they could work, they wouldn't. Or they depended upon someone else to provide for them when they were very capable to go out and pursue work. 
I'm not talking about the second kind of cause of poverty, and that is a a simple structural failing within our culture. I understand that a poor economy can drive people into poverty. Losing a job can drive people into poverty when there's no other job to be had. And we went through a season of like that. And let me tell you something. We will again. We will again. Economies go up and they go down. They go up and they go down. And the wise person of God should listen to the ant, watch the ant, and understand the ant knows this, that right now things are great. We're in summertime, but winter's coming, and he prepares for it. I understand that there's, but it's also a lack of affordable housing. It could be an addiction or substance abuse. It could be a lack of education, a medical expense, a tragic, traumatic thing in someone's life that can drive them into bankruptcy and poverty. And those are all things that drive people into poverty. But today, I'm talking about the person who can but won't work, who's capable but has no initiative, no drive, no desire to find because they just have this mentality that somebody else might take care of them. I'm not saying that everyone who lives in poverty is a sluggard. But what I am saying is, is that the Bible says a sluggard will end up in poverty. So let me ask you a question. Can you get something for nothing? Can you get something for nothing? The principle of diligence is offered by the ant. No leader... No boss, no one prodding, but yet they work. They're aware of their time. They're good stewards with their time. When they can, they work, so that when they can't, they are taken care of. The experience, though, is shown in the failure of the sluggard. Because of his love of relaxation and selfishness, he is faced in lean times with poverty. And so the choice really is ours. Listen. God did not design us to be lazy. Solomon gives this warning and instruction to the sluggard. The instruction promises a way to avoid poverty, but it has to be deeper than just that. Sluggardness and laziness and the inability to want to worship God with our work, it's deeper than just getting out of some painful circumstance in life. The guidance is not to just avoid temporal destruction. To avoid the plight of the sluggard. We are liberated to be what God's designed and created us to be. When we come out of the laziness and find the purpose and meaning in our work, we are now hitting on all cylinders. We are now doing what God's created us to do. We're designed to care for to subdue, and to have dominion over the earth. Not the other way around. Whatever this world brings to us, whatever this world does to try to subdue us, to try to have dominion over us, to try to push us down, listen, God has provided a way for us to come out of that and to be victorious and to subdue and to care for and to have dominion over the world. Not the other way around. In poverty, you are very much 
under the pressure of a world that seeks to hold you down. Laziness also breaks the law of love. At its core, laziness is self-centeredness. It cares nothing about others. It cares nothing about what someone might have to do to help me. It cares nothing about what my family will do or how they'll get along. Laziness is about my wants and my desires and my comfort. And they're all in the mind of a lazy person. God has called us to look not to our own interests, but to, be, to look toward the interests of others. It's hard and difficult when all we do is think about ourselves and our next meal to help others, isn't it? Laziness misses the, head, the heart and the point of the whole law of God. To love God and to love others is His command. The sluggard lives for the moment, specifically His moment. Laziness also finds its way into all areas of life. I know I started talking about my job and your job and work and all this, but let me suggest this to you. We can be sluggards in other areas of life. We can be lazy in other areas of life. We may work hard on the job. But when it comes to my spiritual growth, I'm lazy. We may be awesome at the work site, but when it comes to my marriage, would you all agree marriage takes work? Oh, come on now. Is it only my marriage that needs work? Come on. It takes work, doesn't it, honey? It takes work. If you're lazy and a sluggard with your marriage... Poverty will follow. Poverty. Think about poverty in marriage. Disconnectedness. Maybe your marriage is poverty stricken because you're not working on it. You're lazy with it. It could be with your education. It could be with your physical life. It could be with anything. Laziness finds its way into all of life. Most of this message, as I said, has been in the context of work. But this goes beyond. It's about spiritual growth and marriages and education and relationships. Laziness is a heart issue that seeks to avoid anything that would require me to give of my time, my resources, my physical exertion, my mental exertion to anything that doesn't benefit me. Jesus came into this world to solve this problem. Jesus is the solution to sluggardness. Jesus is the solution to laziness. I know we must, in our minds, make a decision to work, but while we do that, we realize and keep our eyes focused on the one that can change our hearts. Laziness, when our hearts are changed, when our hearts are transformed, when Jesus begins to mold and make us to be like Him, 
we then begin to see the meaning and the purpose of what it is we do in life, whether in our marriages, in our spiritual development, in our workforce. Everything becomes worship. Everything. There's no part of your life that Jesus doesn't look at you and say, that's mine. That's mine. I want that. Give me that. Hey, how about you make an exchange? I'll give you peace if you give me that. That's what Jesus does. And if you struggle with that, if you struggle with laziness or just any area of your life, know this, that Jesus transforms you and turns your heart away from you and toward others. And it's really hard to be lazy when you truly love the other. There's a quote that I saw from a man named Bob Deffingbaugh. He said this, The gospel of Jesus Christ transforms lost men from parasites to producers. From those who take from others to those who give sacrificially to meet the needs of the helpless. The gospel turns a man's attention from himself to others. The way to cure the sluggard is to make a saint out of him. The gospel turns my lazy, sluggard heart away from myself and toward the other. The gospel gives me a higher purpose, a higher meaning. So let me ask you this this morning. Does your whole life worship God? Does your whole life worship God? Pray with me. Our Father, this is a hard one. Jesus, you remind us that you're always at work. I think it has something to do, God, with your love for us. When we truly love our wives, our husbands, those who in the future might have to sacrifice to help me, When I look to the future, it motivates me when I love them to work hard now so that they won't have to help me, so that they won't have to bail me out. I understand, God, that there are circumstances in life that are just crisis moments. But there's a difference between crisis and chronic. And sometimes, God, we just have to ask, is there more that I can do? Help me love so that I can do more and work harder. Maybe, maybe you're retired this morning. And you're thinking, well, I've worked my whole life and now I'm retired. That's great. You don't work for money anymore. But you should work. You should do something. Whether that's for your kids whether that's for your church, for your community, volunteering down at the the homeless shelter, whether that's offering your services wherever needed. We all have something to do. And I want to encourage you to think that, that, that loving the other motivates me to work now with the time that I have. Maybe your marriage needs work. And you've just been lazy 
Now's the time. Say, hey, pastor, I want to work on my marriage. I'm committing to work. I mean hard work. To connect to someone that you've been married to for a long time that you're not connecting with now is work. We can help there. We can meet with you. We can get you in a group. We can do all of that. The key is you need to love her or him enough to work on it. Maybe your spiritual discipline, your spiritual formation, you're lazy there. You don't feel like reading your Bible. You don't feel like going to church. You don't feel like joining a group. You don't feel like connecting with other like-minded believers because it's going to be work. I understand that. We are in God's hands clay. And man, when God starts really trying to thumb down a rough spot on me, it's work. It's challenging. Are you in? Do you love God enough? Do you love those around you enough to let God work in your life? You've got to put yourself in places where God can work on you. Bible study, small group, church, prayer, long walks where you just talk to Him. Hopefully you're getting this this morning, that being lazy and sluggard isn't always just about your work. But God wants to transform your heart. So Father, this morning, as those that are here pray, I know, Lord, we're speaking to you now. We're lifting our hearts and our minds to you and we see you in our mind's eye and say, God, help me to love, to love more than my desire for recreation, to love more than my desire for pleasure, to love more than my desire for things that are good for a moment and they relax us and refresh us, but let us turn back to the work that you have for us because we love the world for you love them first. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for that, Tony. Uh, I don't know about all of you. I was uh, 